0: that take some of you back a little bit? Can you hear me? We on? Okay, great. Um, I grew up in the Cold War era, okay, and that's when there wasn't a lot of active conflict between nations. Uh, we dropped the bomb in World War II and everybody was building bomb shelters and that sort of thing. You wanted to know what the other nations were thinking about, so there was a lot of under, this, under the the scenes activity called espionage, or spies. Now, we've had spies since the Revolutionary War, but we didn't have media. And the media picked up on this while I was growing up. And so we got from the sublime, like James Bond, to the ridiculous, my favorite, spy versus spy in Mad Magazine. And uh, we also got on TV shows like I Spy Or the comedic uh, Get Smart. But the king of all those shows was Mission Impossible. All right? And in that show, it always started with somebody listening to a cassette tape, which started with Your Mission, Should You Choose to Accept It. And then it would go on and describe what was always seemingly an impossible mission before it would self destruct in a plume of smoke. But with their gadgets and their disguises and their uh, their deceptions, they always accomplish the mission. All right, they batted a thousand. Well, we at Lion Lamb have a mission as well, and it's on your study sheet there. And it is Lion and Lamb is a fellowship of worshiping believers committed to authentically pursuing a vital relationship. With Jesus Christ and obeying all his commands. Now, this is the first Sunday of the year, and during this time, traditionally, we try to refocus on our mission so that we can carry it out. In the military, we always had a mission statement, and it's important to focus on the mission that you're assigned. And so we're going to try to take inventory today to kind of see where we are and where we want to go. We also want to cover some, maybe some challenges or concerns, you know. Uh, So this is kind of a hodgepodge of a message today. I just want to warn you. Uh, I want to use, however, some touchstones. A touchstone was a dark rock like jasper, which was used to determine whether an alloy was really gold or a fake. Today, that term has come, has come to mean a standard by which something is judged. And our touchstones today come from Paul. Uh, the first one, both of these are on your, your, uh, your study sheet, comes from Ephesians 4. I just want to read these, if you'd read along with me, just so we can have these fresh in our minds. These are familiar passages, but they're complicated passages. Starting in verse 11, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ from the whole from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Lots of run-on sentences there, but packed with meaning. Romans 12, starting in verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind, one toward another, do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly or the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, these are rich passages. It's kind of like all those fruit drinks, you know, where they mix a bunch of flavors together, and you can kind of taste them, but it tastes good together. Uh, And I'm not going to do an exposition of this. You know, we don't have time for that. But I am going to touch upon these as we go through the mission of lion and lamb and try to use this as an exhortation. First of all, the mission statement says that lion and lamb is a fellowship. That's a quality of being a fellow among others. And because we're all different, that involves unity in diversity. Now, this concept is found throughout the Word of God. The trinity of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit is made up of very different persons who form one essence, one Godhead. Christian marriage is made up of very different types, males and females, in unity through the Spirit. Our families are made up of very different types. The key for us within the church is for, to figure out how to not just coexist, but to work together effectively as portrayed in these passages with a unity of the faith. Paul states this best uh, earlier in Ephesians 4 when he says that we are to be one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So, We become more of a body when we are, quote, fitted together, fitted and held together, but but by what every joint or member supplies, meaning every member has a role and all are to contribute. Lion and lamb has some unique features, which we're going to talk about some today, but Frankly, we're like most churches in the sense that some of the members or parts of the body are heavily involved, some to a lesser extent, some just uh, attend, some just occasionally. Now, all are welcome, and even if you're not heavily engaged in this body, we hope that you'll be strengthened by the word as taught and encouraged to grow in your faith. And if you're visiting or new to Lion and Lamb, especially if you're a new believer, it's a good idea to become grounded, to become more stable personally, and to pay attention to the dynamics of the body and see how it works together. However, the best way to grow is to become part of a local body as described in Paul's exhortation, in which each is to, quote, grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. In other words, become more and more Christ-like. How? Well, we learn and we grow from our interactions with the strengths and weaknesses of other believers within the body. The body is designed to work best when each part plays its role with the others. That is, quote, the proper working of each individual part, unquote. This is what causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So if you really want to grow up in your faith, don't be a lone ranger. Rather, help the body of Christ become more effective. Find a way, a place to serve. Now, Paul says that we have a responsibility to build up the body in love. And because the body is made up of parts that are different, not just in function and abilities, but in personality and experience and maturity and circumstances, I will sometimes question why others act or live their lives differently than me. And you know, Some people have looked at me and my family sidewise or maybe said things that indicate they think that we're different. Can you imagine? Well, because God has made us all different, I have to remind myself continually that he also wants us to be patient, be tolerant, and to love one another so that we can work together within the body. The current cultural word for this is diversity. And diversity is sometimes pitted against another concept called exclusivity. In other words, keeping some out, maybe creating an in-crowd. In our politically correct world, exclusivity is viewed as a wrong, an injustice, an evil thing. What we hear when we hear the word exclusive, be honest, don't you think of snobbery, of aloofness, of you know maybe that social club where they keep out the riffraff? I mean, don't you? But let's take a look at reality. Exclusivity is an essential. It is a fact of life and it will occur no matter how much lip service we give to political correctness. For example, many of us are in Families, the whole concept of marriage and family is exclusive. In the literal sense, I'm not in your family and you're not in mine. Now I know that by marriage I'm related to most of you. (laughs) But you get the idea. There is a relationship that excludes others. If it didn't, the whole concept of marriage and family would be meaningless. And you could come to church with your spouse and children and go home with somebody else's or none at all, right? How about the body or the the local church? We consider ourselves the lion and lamb family, don't we? Um, But what does that mean? We're excluding other Christians. And it's not that we are antagonistic toward other Christians. It's just that we don't have the same relationship with them that we do with others within lion and lamb. That takes us to the next level, which is the body of Christ. As I understand, somewhere around a third of the people in the world call themselves Christians. Well, that excludes about two-thirds of the folks in the world. That's a pretty exclusive group. But you get the idea. Okay, however, exclusivity can result in an evil if it is the exclusive practice of our families and our churches. So we've got to balance the fellowship of those, fellowship with those that we know well, the in crowd, so to speak, with hospitality towards those that we do not know well. Frankly, personally, I am haunted by Hebrews 13, which says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Ooh. Psalm 68 says that God puts the lonely or the solitary in families. Now, To accomplish that, I wonder if God might use families. What do you think? Uh, Two great examples of this at Lion and Lamb are the McFalls and the Halpins because they consistently have people over to their homes who are new to Lion and Lamb or new to the country or don't have connections with others within the body from past churches or activities. Uh, Within Lion and Lamb, even though we tend to think we're a lot alike, you know, we still have some differences, including paths that we have chosen for our individual families. One of those is in the educational decisions we've chosen for our children. Most of you are probably aware that the Vincents have been involved with home education for a few decades, and we might be viewed as advocates. And we don't apologize for that involvement or that advocacy. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes in our parenting, in our, in our education, but were, do we, were we to do it all over again, I think we would choose the same basic path. However, I do have to apologize for the attitude or the spirit with which I have sometimes carried out that advocacy. In the zeal of my younger years, I have said things about public and institutional educations that were offensive and unnecessary. I've even made statements that offended parents who had their kids in Christian schools when I was on the board of this school. You can ask Steve Islef about that. Uh, at some point, I had to step back and understand. What was the important issue here? And I came to see that what we're encouraging believers to do is something called parental responsibility. In other words, God gives us children, and we as the parents are primarily responsible for what we do with those children. And we will make different decisions. And each of us is to take responsibility for the upbringing, the education, and the training of the children that God gives us. We might delegate certain activities to others, but we, the parents, are ultimately responsible. So uh, earlier this year, I spoke at a homeschool conference, about a 1,000 folks, and I challenged them that if we really believe in parental responsibility, we must respect the decisions of others for their children, even if we wouldn't make the same decision. Now... Um, we at Lion Lamb must not only respect each other, but we must love without hypocrisy. Certainly we must abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Any parent who has their kids in public schools knows that there are some things going on there that they don't like. Most of the high school students that Johnny's brought over for his Young Life group to our home do not have a father in their home. And some of them... Some of the students have some pretty serious sin issues. But there are some very good things going on in the public schools. David, through uh, Young Life Capernaum, which deals with special needs kids, got linked up with a basketball league put on by the public schools, which were made up of teams composed of special needs kids and student athletes. These kids, these student-athletes, volunteered their time to work with these special-needs kids. And I went to the banquet, Christy and I, and they opened the banquet in a public school with prayer by one of these student-athletes. On the other hand, most of us here, not all, we in Christian day schools and homeschools must also recognize that we have our own problems – The world and Satan have found ways into our ranks as well. So instead of being critical, we should find ways to support, encourage, and protect one another. We are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. We are to give preference to one another uh, in honor. So how do we do this? For those of you who are strong in the faith, you're mature. Whenever you are with others within the body, whether it's here or in a small group, think from the perspective of the person who's coming in as an outsider, whether a visitor, a single person, an introvert, or maybe one who has their kids in public school. How would you want to be treated? Would you not feel more welcome, more a part of the body if the folks talk to you sometimes rather than just spending all their time talking with the people they know? Now, if you want folks to feel welcome here at Lion Lamb, we must welcome them. You know, fellowship is a great thing, and we do a lot of it here. It's great that if you, if you look around after the services here, people will be here for 30, 45, maybe 60 minutes just fellowshipping. But others would love to fellowship as well. But it's hard to crack that inner circle. So I encourage you to include these other people. If you're one of those who feels like an outsider, please be patient. Understand that we all tend to gravitate toward what we know. We're all a little bit insecure. Uh, So smile, try to interact, and engage others yourself. And don't write others off just because you don't get the attention that you would like to have. Now, what happens on Sunday mornings is important corporately. As a body, it's important that we worship and, and, and hear the word together. But in terms of personal relationships, it's hard to grow close if this is all that happens. So we encourage all members of Lion Lamb to get involved with a small group. Get to know some people. We have two types here. One that are kind of longer standing, that meet at various times and frequencies. And then we have short-term specific groups that meet for for topics like marriage and parenting or or finances. You leader types out there with experience to share, we need more small groups in order to strengthen the bonds within Lion and Lamb. So let us know if you'd like to to start a small group. In order to truly fellowship, though, everybody really should consider a small group. We need to all remember to be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in our own conceits. There's another balance that I'm just going to mention briefly here between fellowship with friends within the body and the gospel. Jesus came to save not the saints, but the lost, yes, Jesus spent considerable time with his disciples, mentoring and fellowshipping, as should we. But he was not exclusively exclusive. He also reached out to the lost. So both exclusivity and diversity have a valid role in our lives. Otherwise, our families, our church, and the body of Christ do not grow or grow up. Honestly, evangelism is a weak link in this church and most churches, and we hope to be addressing that, that issue. I want to move on now to the second part of the Lion Lamb mission statement. We are to be worshiping believers committed to authentically pursuing a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, worship and relationship are fairly common terms within the church culture. But authentic, a little bit less so. By authentic, of course, we mean real, genuine, not phony, from the heart. And that may be different strokes for different folks for you from the, from the 70s. Okay? Remember, tolerance. Uh, but the way that you will see authenticity in our worship in Lion and Lamb is a deliberate downplaying of the sensational. So you're probably not going to see Sean up here with uh, face paint and bell-bottoms. That's probably a good thing, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with emotion. That's part of it. But conjured or manufactured emotion is counterfeit. It's short-lived, and it results in a slide-down-the-mountaintop experience, so I hate to say this, but what we do at Lion Lamb in terms of our worship is somewhat countercultural. You know, there's nothing wrong with good musicians and singers. You know, we have we think we have some of the best here at Lion and Lamb. There's nothing wrong with presenting recitals or concerts. You know, these kinds of presentations can bring glory to God. Uh, but for corporate worship, we tend to de-emphasize individual or even group performances because it's our desire to keep the focus on the worship of Jesus Christ and the glory of God. You know, we can't be all things to all people, but we try to reach different groups. So we're we're looking, frankly, for ways to encourage all through corporate worship, including young singles. So, a little exhortation here. Older folks please be tolerant of different, perhaps even contemporary music. Our worship leaders have a pretty good handle on the difference between worshipful and faddish. Uh, Worshipful creativity did not cease to exist in the 1890s. God actually has given some younger folks creativity today. Therefore, you will probably continue to hear some newer music that is consistent with the Word and worshipful. To you younger folks, I ask you to be tolerant as well. I don't want to overplay this. You know this is not an exact science so it's hard to draw lines. But please understand that certain styles of music are associated with certain times, cultures, activities, even sins. So the reason that hard rock Christian music is a problem for some of us older folks is that goes back to the genre of music, what that genre meant to us when we were young. Understand that sex, drugs, and rock and roll were sold to us as a package. And so... There are painful memories of bad decisions, perhaps life-altering, made with certain music playing in the background. And it's hard to worship with those reminders. So, occasionally you're going to hear some hymns here that we sing, and I encourage you, young people, pay attention to the lyrics and try to understand, try to catch how meaningful The messages are even today. These are timeless classics. And I suspect you're going to be singing them with your children much longer than you'll sing some of the contemporary music. They are part of a full worship experience for a mature believer. Our purpose is primarily to worship God. Now, does worship require worship? A big show or musical instruments or even singing? Does it only happen on Sunday? Well, Psalm 145 is a great passage on worship. And it says, Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. David is talking about households, about families. This is where worship is most authentic. If one is faking it on Sunday morning, he will not be worshiping as an individual or as a family. Therefore, we want to encourage families, encourage even singles, to practice worshipful praise and prayer at home on a daily basis. If it is your goal to be real or authentic, you must integrate your faith and your worship with your everyday lives. I'm going to move on now to the last part of the Lion and Lamb statement, obeying all his commands. And if we're going to obey all his commands, we've got to know them. You know where this is going, all right? Teaching and learning is a significant part about what we do here at Lion and Lamb for the equipping of the saints. Now, there is a tension playing in most churches in the background. To one extent or another, uh, we all desire to bring in others to Christ and to add new members. There's even a term for churches that choose to lean to the side of pulling people in. It's called seeker-friendly. The problem arises, whether it's recognized or not, when a legitimate question could be asked. Who is influencing whom? Okay? Because some of these new believers, or perhaps they're just seekers, have worldviews that are counter to God's Word. And if that contention becomes large enough or influential enough, it can affect church decisions and the word can be compromised. So we cannot become like children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Now, I know this to be true because we know that several families have come to Lion and Lamb for this very reason. A body that leans heavily towards openness would be considered really inclusive. And in some seeker-friendly churches, the folks who are drawn in will often uh, affect the others. The key is to be tolerant of differences but to hold fast to the truth found in God's Word. That's our goal in teaching in Sunday school, small groups, and the messages on Sunday... And we hope to cover all the major areas or the doctrines of the Bible uh, if you stick around. Again, this all assumes that each member of the body is taking in the Word at home. Reading, studying, memorizing your Bibles are common encouragements here. We also ask people to take a step beyond learning to application All the knowledge and wisdom of the word goes for naught if it is not applied to our daily lives. So we must also integrate our faith with our reality. Now, I want to take a little side trip here. Some have noticed that we will mention here some current events and sometimes some leaders, unlike some churches. I want to say, first of all, that we are not a political mouthpiece for any party. Some politicians uh, come closer to the biblical mark than others, but in general, both of the major parties in our country have failed to lead in a manner which encourages biblical principles, at least in recent years. Now, you might disagree with what what you hear here, but we hold that the Bible speaks to all issues. Nothing is off limits, and we intend to address current issues, perhaps even referring to governmental leaders when they get it right, as well as when they get it wrong. Anything less would be a cowardly avoidance of biblical truth as applied to our culture. So we must always remember, always speak the truth in love. But if we do, even if we do speak in love, we know there will still be consequences, and we intend to accept them come what may. Even if that means we lose our tax-exempt status. I want to move on now to kind of a laundry list of things that we value, maybe distinctives, and then maybe some challenges for those who are part of Lion and Lamb. Uh, if you've been around a while, you notice that our leadership is a little bit different than most churches. We have plural eldership who, along with the deacons, form the leadership team. Much of the administrative work, or much much of the administrative work, is done by uh, Patty Ann and Mike and Steve. Uh, who Steve also serves half-time with Young Life at Washburn University. However, the decisions are made by co-equal leaders. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. For more on this, if this is big to you, and it's really difficult for some people from other church backgrounds, please talk to us about it. You could also look at a message from September the 21st entitled Leadership by the Book, which tries to explain our approach to leadership. Uh, Speaking of those of you who have been here a while, you may have received some surveys from one of the elders, maybe more than one of the elders, and we encourage you to complete that. We're actually trying to do what elders are supposed to do, which is shepherd the flock, and we would like your feedback and your information. Moving on, at Lion and Lamb, we believe we are to equip the saints for the work of service, which will result in the building up of the body of Christ. As mentioned... We encourage all to get involved in ministry. So after the, over the last couple of years, we've had different ministries come in and explain what they do in an attempt to help everybody understand what the opportunities are that, in which to serve. Several of you have responded, which we appreciate greatly, and we hope all within Lion Lamb will reach out first within and then outside this church body. Uh, in addition to our overseas missionaries, which you've seen sometimes on the board, Lion Lamb supports several local ministries, including the rescue mission, uh Caring Pregnancy Options, and Young Life. Another ministry that you just saw up here was Haiti Lifeline Ministries. Uh, and they explained that we got involved several years ago, and it is a slow process to deal with a country who has been treated like the American welfare system. But we are at this point, Haiti Lifeline Ministries uh, is now ready to move beyond providing relief to rehabilitation, development, and discipleship. And so uh, we want to provide vocational training, and we want to equip the local church in Haiti. So we'll be sending a team to the orphanage in June to work on vocational training and to make contact with the local church there. If you're interested, you need to talk to Dan McElroy. Now, he's going to be gone for the next couple of weeks. You can also go to haitilifeline.org and click Get Involved. Uh, and you will need a passport. That takes several weeks if you haven't traveled before. And uh, we need to know probably this month if you're interested because the, the slots are limited. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Lion Lamb West. And if you're new or you're, you're visiting here... Um, uh, last year, about this time, we were contacted by a, a church that was basically phasing out. Um, and they had a, a building that they'd been in since the 60s, I believe, and God just gave it to us. And so some of you have been there, probably most of you. We spent uh, several Sundays there during the summer when they're refinishing the floor here. Uh, and uh, it is a project. You have some pictures there. We, and I'm hopefully we've just got some stuff here. We're just going to show you in the background while I'm babbling. Um, we got some work to do. They gave it to us as is. So we need some help. We want to use this as a ministry center, and we may be meeting there at some point. Uh, in terms of the long range, you, know, you don't want to know what, was, what we found on the floor in the basement here, but there's been a lot of work that's gone into that, and... Uh, We need some help. So when Mike sends out or somebody sends out those messages needing help, we really do need help because we want to get it up and running. Um, In terms of the long range, our hope is to come up with a concept. Okay, And we're taking input. We've been taking input from all of you about what you would like to do with this property if we are able to. We want to present a concept to the body here and then see what God will do. All right? Which, that's enough, Ben, thank you, will lead us to the next topic. Uh, Giving. Okay? Um, You know, the good news is that Lion Lamb has been growing over the years. It's about three times it was when we first, three times the size it was when we started. And uh, we seem to have grown and maybe plateaued for this facility here in terms of our size. One thing that has always grown, though, even through that plateau, was giving until 2014. We had about $1,000 less in giving in 14 than we did in 2013. Don't know why, but we'd ask you to consider. Uh, some of you are giving liberally, some not at all. And we don't keep track of who gives what, uh, but by the number of checks we flash through, we know. Uh, and we want you to consider that when you contribute to the local church, you are contributing to the needs of the saints. And 2 Corinthians 9 tells that we are not to give grudgingly or under compulsion, but to give cheerfully. It also says if you, will, if you don't sow... You won't read. So if you are not giving cheerfully to your church, you might want to check your attitude about giving. If that's not the problem, then we suggest that you engage with a church to which you can give cheerfully. Enough said. I'm sure that's, you want me to move on. Um, we've got another issue here that we have to deal with as a church. And that is the whole issue of marriage. Marriage, according to Hebrews 13, is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. In the past, we've had kind of a history here of encouraging, focusing on men to be servant leaders within households and within the church. And we're not going to back off from that, but we, we probably will refine it somewhat to focus a little bit more on husbands and wives functioning in complementary relationships. That is, each has a vital role in the marital bond. Our church will not be healthy if our homes are not healthy and, and those homes with the children in them will not be healthy if the marriages are weak or sick. Now, uh, while marriage may not be on life support, Uh, It is not what we would call strong and vibrant at this time. Uh, With men marrying at the average age of 30 and women at 26, the ambivalence is palpable. Many of these young people grew up in families and watched their parents reach middle age and then when the kids left for work or school, sometimes one of the parents left as well almost always in those cases, ripping apart what those children had been told was a permanent bond sealed with a vow. So you can understand why they're gun-shy. You know, marriage is not what man, what the courts, what Congress, or even the President says it is. Today, it's hard to trust anyone when we see so-called men of God fall into adultery or their marriages fall apart, or we hear uh, political candidates bending in the wind of opinion polls. For example, prior to the 2008 election, candidate Obama said that, quote, for me as a Christian, I believe that marriage is a sacred union between a man and a woman. He said that to applause to folks at Saddleback Church in California. In 2012, the president said, quote, For me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that I think same-sex couples should be able to get marriage. His administration has, put that redefin- has pushed that redefinition aggressively, with the cooperation of the federal judiciary. For Christians, God created marriage, therefore, he gets to define it. Now, the speed and ease with which the, the, the definition of marriage has been altered and the new public morality has been literally forced down our throats is dizzying. There's still a possibility that the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court could right the ship but most legal observers would tell you that's highly unlikely given the signals the court has already sent. As I mentioned in a message a few months ago, this dramatic shift did not occur in a a vacuum. The church was largely missing in action or at least ineffective through the debates on no-fault divorce, the sexual revolution, the undesirability of children, abortion, and the overall disintegration of of the marriage and the family. First in minority communities, and now in the mainstream, including the church. So with all these traditional walls crumbling, why should we expect the institution of marriage to stand on its own? So what do you do? It's a little bit like addressing Haiti. We can only do what we can do in our corner. And what we need are marriage mentors. Okay? There are no perfect marriages here. But there are strong marriages, there are stable marriages, and younger folks, whether single or newly married, can benefit from you as a marriage mentor. Okay, we've had people in the past show certain series like Love and Respect. Uh, Christy and I intend to show a new series from uh, Family Life called The Art of Marriage in the next, starting in the next few weeks. If you're interested, let us know. We've got to do something to encourage an understanding and an appreciation of this institution. The bedrock touchstone of God's Word guides us, but we cannot stick our heads in the sand. We must now deal with a whole new reality and many related issues. You see, we must, at some point in the future, A legally married, same-sex couple will walk through that door, whatever door we have, and they may be Christians. How will we respond? Will we just go with the flow? You know, come on and believe what you want here. Will we throw the Bible at them, chase them out? Or will we speak God's truth in love? To take this last option, we've got to step back and get a bigger picture. This is much more nuanced than at least I previously thought. Uh, Some of you are aware that Steve and I went to a conference on this issue, and I was most struck here by one particular speaker. His name is Sam Alberry. He's an evangelical pastor from England who believes strongly that sex is included Only is is it to be practiced only within the marriage commitment, um, and he strongly defends the biblical view of marriage. But there's one distinction you see, Sam is single, and he openly confesses to having same sex attraction his whole life. But he took an honest look at the word and he concluded that he can worship, he can function even as a leader within the church. Because unless God changes him, he has concluded that the only biblical lifestyle option that he has is celibacy, and he embraces it. Now, why does he have same-sex attraction, you know, or anybody? I've got some theories, but frankly, I don't know. I do know that it does affect many out there, many more than we would know, and some of them are Christians. Now, same, there's, a, there's differences here, hard lines to draw, but same-sex attraction is different than those celebrating or advocating same-sex marriage. And even within same-sex attraction, there's a difference between, between one who is prowling and looking as opposed to a believer who is seeking to live a Christ-like life a life of celibacy. I want you to understand that the leaders of Lion Lamb are now wrestling with this issue, and we must develop a biblical and loving response to those legally, yet not biblically married folks who may someday show up. More importantly, we've got to address this issue of same-sex attraction. And then finally, how can we uphold the institution of marriage yet recognize and celebrate the option of celibacy for some. You know, the celibacy option may not be a message that a lot of people in that lifestyle want to hear, but you know it can be done in a fulfilling and God-honoring way. It's not just Sam Alberry. Paul and Christ found a way to do it as well. Christ, fully God, yet fully man, and therefore I assume he had the same sexual desires and temptations that we have. They found a way. Can we find a way to address that issue? Please, please pray for us as we deal with this new and pretty delicate challenge. Finally, I want to wrap up here to go full circle back to something we started with. That is lion and lamb as a community. An issue we've been dealing with and praying about involves a reexamination of the integrity of our body. Much of what we've talked about is rooted in our desire to feel and live like a community of believers. So we've talked about, attempted to address, and still need to work on becoming more of that community. Interdependent, cohesive. And we can get into issues of traditional versus non-traditional Sunday schools, but there are more organic issues of how the body functions. Up to now, we've taken kind of a multifaceted approach to to, uh, some of those issues. But we want to improve on what we need to do to become more independent, more integrated, and function as the body should. Remember, Paul tells us that we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So how are we going to do that? Well we think we want to get perspectives from different parts of the body. Older, middle-aged, career-aged, college, married, single. You've all got a perspective on this. If you understand the goal, the mission, that we are a fellowship, hopefully you will see the necessity of thinking about this issue, that we're not all just individual parts in different classrooms. The purpose... Why would we do this? So that we can become one body and those who choose may be members of that body. Once again, the purpose is that we may grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of it of itself, in love. Father in heaven, we just want to give praise to you. We want to thank you for the privilege we have to be here and to re-examine, to refocus on our mission at Lion and Lamb. Father, we pray that you would not allow that mission to part from our thoughts. That we would be a fellowship, that we would worship in spirit and in truth that it would be genuine and that we would do that not just here, but we would be real and do it at home with our families or even as an individual. And, Father, that we would obey your commands because we know your commands and we desire to apply what we've learned in our lives. And, Father, help us in dealing with these different issues, whether it's uh, a new building or it's dealing with the cultural changes that we have in front of us. We pray, Lord, for wisdom, and we ask for your guidance in everything that we do. And above all, Lord, we want all to be according to your plan and for your glory. We ask all these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen.